people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd like oh my god this is the future it's like yeah the multiple stories and they had more of those uh crossways that went across yeah, and, yeah well that's i remember that's yeah. what i'm saying that's where i would get vertigo and i'd yeah. be like oh, okay, okay. so you know and they had three different bookstores so you'll be pleased by this and it might be a good segue into the beginning after i say this but i drove by today uh out by mercado okay um on the other side of 101, where almost almost where Nvidia is, okay, uh, there used to be a bakery, like a, a, a coffee shop bakery thing, and they turned it down. It's like I think they call it like Santa Clara Corners. Books Incorporated is moving in there. They're opening a Whole Foods, <laughs> rising yeah. from the dead. Because well, I mean, I know there's a lot of apartments that have gone in. Like Michelle used to live over there, yeah, and, and so uh, yeah. So I was driving by and I went, oh, it's. End of July, the center's opening up with the Whole Foods as the anchor. Very hipster, yeah. trendy kind of businesses and books incorporated in there. I knew there was still one in the town and country in Palo Alto. Isn't there? Okay, in Palo Alto, you pointed yeah. south. Sorry, I forgot which direction <laughs> Sorry, I was going. I was going to say, isn't there it, one still in Palo Alto? Because if we're recording, that's exactly what somebody was just saying. Wait a minute, he's pointing the wrong way. Uh, but yes, uh, up in Palo Alto, but now there's one up. In, there will be one up in Santa Clara at the end of at the end of. Uh, Oh, that's cool. I like Book Sync. I loved the one in San Jose. I, oh, yeah. I like the one. The one in Palo Alto is the last time I was there, and I have a former student working there. I don't know if she still does, but um, the last time I was there, it was very it, – it, it, it was much smaller than the one I remember in San Jose. Or one of the things I always have – The one to, in Palo Alto? The one in Palo Alto. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, much smaller. Though I have to remember in my perspective. So when we say San Jose, you're talking about the, the town, town and country. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That uh, I always have to remember too that some of my memories are I was much smaller, so everything yes. seemed much bigger. But uh, no, 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 books and uh, I was probably was shopping. There. I was probably shopping. I there can in my still 20s. see everything about that store in my memory. I spent a lot of money on that store. I, which, uh, I, I spent a lot of time back in the days else. when I would actually buy books and read every single one of them that I bought. Now, mm. That was a good. That those, those were, good, were the years. good old days. Those were good years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, uh, and we are podcasting on Wednesday. Ooh, it's a Wednesday. June 29th, 2016. <laughs> and across from me, the other voice you will hear is, of course, uh, podcast producer and physical host here at the Brett Cave. I like the way you look around the room when you say physical host. Well, I just like to take it all in and, and remember the details. Why don't you, well, why don't you so, say your name? Sure. Rick Brett Snyder. But I have to show you something. We'll, we'll, we'll no, we'll no. I want to keep. I, yeah, I want to keep this okay. excitement going. Here, here, here. I'll be right back. It, it's like five years dropped off of Rick's stooped frame, uh, the enthusiasm. And, oh, if only someone could see the visual of how he <laughs> like. And I'm only laughing because I know I've been there where the 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 blood had pooled in his feet. Uh, 
I was. I wondered if that a new costume. Oh, did Debbie make that, or did you order Debbie that? Debbie made this. Yeah. We were, when we were in Hawaii, we found the fabric in the store. It is uh, Charlie Adler, uh, Walking Dead, or Tony Moore. Is that Tony Moore or Charlie Adler? Uh, See, if only Nate Charlie were here. Adler. If uh, only Nate were here. This is uh, from like a Walking Dead fabric, so it's a camp shirt of Walking Dead. Uh, and Nate really should see this shirt. Uh, and so we do acknowledge our missing third member, Nate Costa, who uh, once again was so close to being on tonight's podcast. But unfortunately, no, I always say fortunately, uh, had work as a PA and uh, he could not get back in time to uh, record in his home in Southern California. So tonight's episode is not brought to you by Skype. It almost was. But instead it is brought to you by... Uh, a little acid reflux from uh, Pike Place really? Rose. No, no, I just had a burp. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> like, no. Um, anyway, so we've got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. First of all, of course, do you want to say if you're listening to us on iTunes to please rate us, review us, subscribe, and definitely tell your friends. I know this is how we get the word of mouth. I always get excited when I find out. I, I know that most of the internet remains silent and just and just enjoys, but I love hearing when somebody new has come on. We got a new comment this week on a on an article about uh, the Winchester Mystery House about uh, Helen Mirren playing uh, playing Sarah Winchester, and so, and I was just so thrilled, like wow, somebody stumbled across it, you know that I don't know. It's it's awesome. A new commenter, someone wants to talk yeah. because we do have uh, a letter from someone we do hear from a lot, which is great. I lo- I, I love it. Uh, but anyway. Uh, you can also find us on the Stitcher app. You can find us on poddrack.com, uh, podcast pickle. There are a variety. And if, we, and if there is a preferred method of podcast delivery for you and we are not carried by it, let them know and let us know. And we will look into that. We'll fix that. Uh, of course, one of the best ways is still to just go to fanboyplanet.com where each and every podcast has its own page as well as should you uh, hear about something on this podcast that you would like to purchase for yourself and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store. Uh, and we, we emphasize that on comic book shops in particular, which you can go to comicshoplocator.com and find one near you. But if there isn't one near you, by all means, use the Amazon search box or an Amazon link that is occasionally placed within the podcast page itself. And you will give us just a little bit of a kickback from that. And so we appreciate that. That helps support the hosting and the cost of running Fanboy Planet. Uh, which is not much, but it adds up when there isn't anything coming back. <laughs> so, uh, which also says if you'd like to donate, uh, you know, kick in a dollar or two you, through PayPal. You, you know, even more than the monetary it. value, it shows people care. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, editor at fanboyplanet.com, you can send money that way. Uh, give till it uh, tickles. Anyway, to editor at fanboyplanet.com, where also if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, just anything, you want to rap about something, you can you can write in there to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And in fact, I'm going to do our top story tonight is a follow-up based on an email sent mm-hmm. to me, uh, I guess last night. Um, and uh, it's from Bill Bossert, and I say, and, and I said, we, we hear from him. We haven't heard from we him for a while, for a while yeah. but we used to quite a bit. And uh, Bill is a film producer on the East Coast, and we really love hearing from Bill. So please do not think if I'm calling somebody out that it's He's like, in touch a lot on Facebook, though. Yeah, he does make uh, make comments. Uh, and so, uh, but I was already thinking of following up on this story, and then he wrote in on exactly that topic. So really grateful, Bill. Uh, enjoyed your conversation on Star Trek during the last Fanboy Planet podcast last week. That was our top story, talking about the new 
uh, fan film direct, uh, guidelines from Paramount. I've been watching Trek for 40 years. You know, I don't need any more. I can always go back and watch the old stuff if I want to. The newer Trek is geared for a younger audience anyway. And when your lead actor says you can't do intelligent Trek movies anymore, well, time to move on. There's always those Battlestar Galactica and Logan's Runs remake in the future. Hope you guys are doing well. Take care. First of all, yes, I think we are. We're doing all right. Thank you, Bill. Really great to hear from you. And uh, let's go in order here. Let's see. Uh, Not in order. I'm going to jump around. When the lead actor says you can't do intelligent Trek movies anymore, that was referring to Chris Pine had made a comment that Beyond is the action film. It has to be with motocross bike action. It's a reaction Uh, to Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I mean, that's the rumor. That's what they said. But but regardless. It looks. Even the alien designs. Again, but see, that's silly to me only in that it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. When I watched that was so clearly meant to evoke 60s Star Trek, you know, that that I know that's what James Gunn was going for. And so it's just kind of that silly, too. And I don't I love big action Star Trek movies, too. But I want different tones and flavors. And that's what we were saying. But the Star Trek guidelines, which now uh, the fan film guidelines which now uh, I believe so far on the internet I am the first to have coined this term, and I put it on David Gerald's page, so uh, there will be record on, on Facebook. Uh, I refer to it as, they will come to regret, Paramount will come to regret their hashtag Trexit. And uh, this is because the first repercussion, and I believe that this was actually suggested by Rick last week, is one of the repercussions it would be that basically what's going to happen is Paramount's going to create its own Competition. competition. Yeah. Um, just as Babylon 5 I was a, a television series from Warner Brothers that was very Star, star Trek-y in Genesis, but not uh, but not in execution. In execution, it went far very beyond. Different. But see, but that's what, that's what it should do. Yeah. That's what should happen. J. Michael Straczynski had an idea, no doubt, to some extent, influenced by Star Trek mm-hmm. and created made it his own thing. And that's what you should be doing as an artist and as a creator. And so the fan film called Renegades, which was going to be directed by and starring Tim Russ as Tuvok, right? Was that his character on Tuvok on on on, on, on Voyager? Voyager. That's why I thought he was, was Tuvok, uh, the was. second in command. So he was going to be an older. Or actually, he was a science officer. He was going to be because how they just stereotype those Vulcans. Yeah, I know. As because science Chuck, officers. was the second. It was the se- was the first officer, right? Yeah, uh, first okay. officer, second so, command. So. Uh, it was going to be featuring Tuvok in his own command as an older Vulcan. And so this fan, and it has a lot of, like a lot of uh, original series cast members were involved in where they could be and willing to do cameos and so forth. And so they've just cleaned up their script, cleaned up their production and said, all right, Renegades has nothing to do with Star Trek. Other than Tuvok really having been in it was going to be the only thing. So now Tim Russ will play a different character and there are going to be now I know you know here's the thing I also understand say 20 years ago when I think Peter David did a couple of like sci-fi movies for Charlie Charles the Charles Band Full Moon Productions okay. uh, and he was using people like George Takei and yeah. you know sci-fi things it's like it was a different time yeah it wasn't considered a big deal you know it, it was fun hardcore Very fans fun. sought them out yeah but now in this ever splintering audience out on the internet and it's going to come back by the way at the end of the podcast on TV you know something coming back that way and uh, you know that that I think is going to make a bigger splash when you have this kind of talent and more and more people can 
as what we were talking about last week, the model has shifted and studios don't are still trying to hold on to the old ways and right. say, you don't control the information anymore. You don't control the entertainment. Can't stop the signal. You you can't. Yeah. And so well, on top of that, they in all these artists and really really the artists, the directors, the producers, mm-hmm. the people who actually make the make the film, do the compositing, all this other have learned how to do it by 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 making their own Trek films. Right. And now they don't actually need the IP anymore. They've got the skills. And they, they well, can which, then go ahead and, and which is, do. I think, we were getting at last week, is like, I'm not a huge follower of the fan films, but mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's great that they, they exist, but it should lead to different kinds of stories. New stories, and, new and, and people should be creating their own things. Yeah. It really should. Now, on the flip side, Axanar is still struggling, and I do want to call out, and I mean that in a positive way. I'm not sure if I use that phrase correctly there, uh, the vernacular. Uh, that researching a little further, like what you were talking about, the char- the Ken Burns sort right. of thing, that was the trailer. That's not what Axanar was going to be. Really? Because that was the impression I'd gotten. Because that was the trailer. That's what yeah. they shot with no budget and no, okay. But, so I want to acknowledge unwittingly, I know some of the people involved with it. I did not realize I did because I hadn't paid that much attention because okay. it was like Axnar, uh, kick Kickstarter. I wasn't really interested. Um, but uh, yeah, the it was would be directed by Rob Meyer Burnett, uh, who uh, wrote and I think directed, co-wrote and directed Free Enterprise mm-hmm. way back when, uh, which is a great movie if you have not seen that where William Shatner is like the imaginary friend and then becomes their actual guru. Right. Uh, uh, and uh, it, so that's a really fun movie. So I met Rob back then when, when he had done free enterprise and produced uh, the specials, uh, James Gunn's one of James Gunn's right. films. Right. Um, so uh, I knew Rob and the production design, I believe is by Christian Gossett, AKA Goss, who had uh, been, uh, had some, um, fame in comic book circles a few, uh, well, a few years, fifteen years ago. And I knew him then uh, for a, a really cool book called uh, "The Red Star," which was mm-hmm. about uh, a mystic uh, mysticism-laced uh, Cold War, and about the Russians going to Afghanistan where there's still magic and high technology. And so uh, it was a really cool series of graphic novels. I can't remember where it ended up. Somebody reprinted it about 10 years ago in a deluxe edition and then just Mm. sort of disappeared but he's been working in production design for a while so i mean it is one of those things when paramount's taking a shot at professionals saying professionals shouldn't be involved this thing was loaded axonar is loaded with pros pros from behind the scenes uh renegades is loaded with professional actors and so it's just kind of and i think even um axonar may have had uh Oh, the guy, he was on Enterprise as a Vulcan, too, as an older uh, Gary. We see him at conventions a lot. He was in the Alienation TV series. Oh. Um, y- you know who I mean. Um, yeah. Somebody shouting at their at their uh, podcast playback device. Uh, their magic podcast, Pickle. And uh, anyway, uh, so I know there were people involved that I was like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're – uh, is there so i i mean it is people that i really uh, whose work i really respect and who who i enjoy 
I'm still on the side though, where I'm kind of like, guys, create your own, give it up, yeah, and call it something else. Uh, well, so is Axanar going to have a storyline and a main character, and you're to follow? Garth. I mean, I know it's Garth is the focus of of the yes, but no, I, it's I, the story of him as a young commander. What happened? So they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be cameras following well, him through action and stuff. No, I think it's going to be a fiction film. It's like it'll be a docudrama, whatever. Okay, so. I mean, it's going to be a film. Let's not even call it because we're acting as if this this battle actually happened. Uh, just because well, no, no, the the point it's the point is whether or not it's going to be a yes, a, it's a fully a scripted, story told it's a fully in, scripted sci-fi drama. Okay, but not told in the past tense by other people no, no, with occasional no, scenes. Okay, no. Okay. Um, so because that was the impression I got, I understand that. because that's what they could do with the money that they had before. Right. That was to raise the money on Kickstarter. So regardless, they'd be just as well. It's probably a compelling enough story to change elements to take it away from the Star Trek and do it, and that would be cool. But don't do it as a Star Trek related property. This is where I'm. I'm still on, as much as I respect, the, but the producer is still fighting and angry and I go and I'm just like I, I get it but you lost you poked you poked the bees nest right they came out buzzing you said oh they're not going to sting me and the law said they had every right to so create your own thing and use the notoriety to publicize it except you don't get to say this had anything to do with Star Trek but then you own a bigger you own a piece of it you can you can sell it you know, because he came back with this thing, like, everybody should put it in, like, release these Paramount. I'm like, no, Paramount doesn't want to endorse, I, which I get the thing of any studio as far as not wanting to endorse a production. But like you say, if if I were to do, because we talk, talk about licensing rights, if I get the rights to do oh, Into the Woods uh, as a play. Okay. That doesn't mean Stephen Sondheim endorsed my production of uh, of sure. Into the Woods. It just means he let me have the right to do my production. Now right. I can't change the script, you know. Uh, but I mean, you know, you know, it, it's like, but by asking Paramount, it's almost like everybody's asking Paramount to endorse. And I understand Lucasfilm did better endorse, have fan awards right. that were at Comic Con sure. every year. And and that's really cool, but that's Lucasfilm. Just because they did it doesn't, doesn't mean, make it law. It, it, yeah. it doesn't mean everybody else had right, to. Right. Right. You know, back when J.K. Rowling, when they did a very Potter musical, which launched the career of Darren Chris, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the group that they went on, um, Star Kids, I think, is what they is the production. They started doing parody musicals. There's a Batman '66 one you can find. Oh, okay. The deal that J.K. Rowling made was she was very upset initially. That there was, and I'd say she actually is. It's probably not her lawyer. She seems very in tune with what's going on. Um, when this college group that became Star Kid Productions and Darren Chris was involved in this and played Harry Potter in a very Potter musical, she said, rather than shutting them down, she just said, you can never make any money off it. You can't, you can't license this. It's still mine. But she let that production happen. Yeah. She let them video it. You can still go onto YouTube and watch it, but nobody else is allowed to legally do it, which I thought was a good compromise. They sure. they did it. It was a fun college production that blew up big because it was the early you know early days of YouTube. And they really should have known better. You'd be surprised though how many I oh no I'm I will, not at all surprised. I will not name names because partially I don't remember, but I was at a theater teacher conference once where I asked somebody who mm-hmm. was a she'd been teaching a couple years. 
I don't remember where she was teaching, somewhere in the state of California. I said, oh, what musical are you going to do? And she said, we're going to do a very Potter musical. And I said, you can't. And she said, what do you mean? And this was someone who had a theater teacher credential. Yeah. And, but the kids want to do it. They'll bring people in. And I was like, yes, but you can't. But, you know, I mean, yeah. I, the first musical I did when I was te- teaching at my last teaching job was I ended up doing it because someone asked me, and I didn't know that it was somebody in the marketing division who said, what are you thinking about doing? And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe Joseph and the Amazing Technology Dreamcoat. And then it showed up in the school newsletter. And I said, you can't just do that. So people don't know, you know, and I can get that, and students especially. But point is, J.K. Rowling hit a, a balance. Yeah. She found something. No, you know, she found balance. a way to do that. But again, that doesn't mean that Paramount's under any obligation no. to do it. Or that Warner Brothers is under any obligation to allow uh, Batman fan films, though they crop up. They don't have an obligation to, to let them happen. Right. I'm on the side where I agree it's more fun to let people do it, but... I'm also on the side of, you know... It's it's better to come up with a set of rules under which they can. Right. And, and, and here's the flip side. Come, rather than to come up with a bunch of rules that prevent them from doing it. Right. And then when you go with, uh, you know, say... Again, I'll say, okay, I'll call out Rob Meyer Burnett as a director who's worked on DVD production and done and directed extra documentaries. He's done a lot of that stuff. And I think some of it being Star Trek stuff. And... So when you put him in there and he's directed a couple of commercial films and then he says, this is an amateur film, that does change the story for Axnar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Gary Graham was the Gary actor Graham, thank who you. played Ambassador Solval on Enterprise. I didn't remember his character name. I always remember him as, oh, I loved Alien Nation, so I always... (laughs) Right. (laughs) Why is that... Oh, no, I don't want it remade because that TV series should just be revived on DVD. People should discover it. Very fun show. I don't want to see a remake. I think they were talking about that a little while ago. So a couple novels, too. Yeah, I actually, I read the the novels. Um, Because they really played continuity tightly. Because they could. There was so... I guess our fandom was so little... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you know and that's what i love i and oddly i didn't like the original film that much really with james con yeah i, I yeah I, I thought okay. it was a cool idea but it was like yeah it's and, probably my least favorite mandy patkin role mandy patinkin Mat- yes patinkin 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 yes another name uh no yeah, yeah he's not you know no he's uh not that good um but i thought the television series was was brilliant on one last Star Trek note, uh, and this segues into comics, IDW is launching us for the 50th anniversary a book called Star Trek Waypoint, which will be an anthology series all over the original, set all over the original continuity from original series to Enterprise. Oh. And so... Uh, Limited series or... How long will it go? New it's imprint? Just, it's just an anthology. It's okay. a, it, you know, be, being there'll be short stories right. in each issue, three or three or four Take place taking place all over the continuity with characters you know, but it's all original. It's not the it's not the movie, okay. uh, or it's not the new the J.J. Abrams verse or whatever you want to call it. Right, the new film re- reboots. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. So let's get to comics, shall we? Uh, sure. And say we've got a con- you know there is a convention coming up, and I got an announcement for Comic Con HQ that for the first time, as I think we had called the suspicion, they are going to uh, live cast the Eisners through Comic-Con HQ, as well as set up a stage 
they're going to do day-long programming and, and breaking news. So if you're not going to Comic-Con and you want to watch Comic-Con HQ, you know when a Hall H thing is happening. They're going to be the first. They think they are because they'll be, they'll, they'll be nerds tweeting like crazy in the dark. <laughs> uh, but uh, but they'll be the first to break it out, out there on the stage. And actually opening the stage up I think is interesting. Uh I don't think that we would qualify, but they are saying if you have on-air talent that wants to use the stage, you can contact them and you can reserve time, which I think is more than incredibly generous. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is my gut interpretation. I just saw this email about uh, two hours ago for the first time. But my gut interpretation is Comic-Con is approaching it as we're inviting everybody to the party. And... Uh, you know, well, within reason, everybody, you know, so I think that I don't know what their restrictions are going to be because they might have opened up a floodgate of like everyone. I want 10 minutes on to yeah, do my thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that there are other there'll be layers, uh, restrictions placed upon it or you have to qualify at a certain level. I totally get that. Um, so don't look for me there. Uh, <laughs> but because I don't I, I don't think we do. But I'm sure someone like Comic Book Resources, if Comic Con HQ is trying to like maybe co-opt that, or people from a slightly bigger size like Comics Bulletin, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, people from Bleeding Cool, I don't know. But uh, I think it's a very cool gesture, at least on its surface. I may go deeper. Did not have time to today, but to look at okay, what are the, what do you need? But the exciting thing about the Eisners this year that is like, hmm, no matter what. <laughs> This is going to be the single most entertaining Eisners in the history of the Eisners. Yeah, that's probably true. Because it's being hosted by John Barrowman. Yeah. And before anybody goes, wait a minute, what does he have to do with comics? No, he's written comics. He's, he's written, a living comic book he's, But he's written Torchwood comics. Yes. So he, he, he's he got another sister. He and his sister. And they've also got a series of young adult novels right. and uh, fantasy novels. And, they, and so uh, aside from he is singularly and i know this is life like he doesn't script this he is off the cuff one of the single most entertaining people alive and and dances along the edge and when you know when he's in sick in his 60s and wants to do his vegas act yeah two thumbs up i'll be there you know because he is he's like he's an all-around entertainer and he seems somewhat insane so uh seeing him host the what did he sing he sang um something the 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 first year i think he went to comic-con did he sing i am what i am uh from lacage he may have sung something from annie it, that may be too I, I i think i heard him sing it on one of his albums like i checked one of his yeah. albums out and it is i i'm gonna say honestly the albums i heard oh i know he sings i am what i am in the in the the, the five-ish doctors that, oh. that's what they hear when they like huh. when he's they've got a whole bunch of John Barrowman CDs uh-huh. and that's playing in in the car stereo anyway but uh, but I think they're underproduced like it's it's clearly somebody with a synthesizer trying to simulate a full backing track for him and of course his voice is fantastic yeah. but his album kind of disappointed me because I thought I'd really like it I'd really like somebody to actually get get him in there with a with an orchestra and right, and do right, it right. and do it right get him a band he, you know and and at least what i heard 
didn't do that. But anyway, he's going to be, and of course he is the Dark Archer and Ra's al Ghul on Arrow. Yeah. So he, he definitely has, aside from being Captain Jack, right? There's so much tied in together. Such a perfect host. And uh, so I'm, even if I don't end up attending the Eisners and every year I swear, I will go and Didn't then I don't. Did he take on another role recently? Uh, he just taunted just us announced. that maybe, that maybe uh, Jack was coming back to the Doctor Who and then it turned no, out to be something fake. else. Oh. Uh, no, I, I have not heard, but that might be, it may very well be true. Okay. Uh, I wanted to, uh, turn to the following, uh, news item that Captain America number two came out. And if my Facebook feed, uh, was any indication, it was the single most important thing to happen in the world this week. Uh, never mind a terrorist attack on the Istanbul airport. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, Anyway, Captain America number two came out, and I will not give any spoilers, but you can listen back to our podcast about a month ago, and Rick and I both called exactly what has happened, yeah. has happened. And I bet you, I believe it's, and it's happened still before. I think and, it's happened before. And you'd know better than I would, but it's, and it's a beautifully done book. Again, my gosh, the artwork oh, on this. Oh, the art's this, wonderful. It's fantastic. So, um, guys, And if anything, the characterization of one of the characters we've seen before, the out of, out of standoff, yeah. um, is even better than it was before. Oh, I... The, they, that they, was they so humanized. creepy. Yeah. But it's but the twist is, or the revelation is so creepy. Yes. And yet I found it so plausible. Yes. And to anyone thinking, oh, Marvel backtracked. No, I would like to quote. I, I don't know which of my many professional friends who were posting on Facebook today saying, if you think Marvel backtracked because of the backlash no you don't understand how production works this is right. exactly <laughs> no time to do it. this no is exactly the way the story was supposed to go and it is exactly they the way have time to backtrack until issue four and this is exactly the way we yeah. called it a month ago yeah so um and yet i take no joy from being right because there is no surprise to me but it is still beautifully done. So I take joy in what a great book there it is. There were a couple of surprising things, and I wish we could do spoilers on this one, but we can't. Maybe we can revisit it later. And, and next week, maybe. The, you know, I, I just want to call call out that it is a good book and take yeah, it separately definitely. from... Uh, right, yeah, I did put it as separate from what's in the bag to say this is a great one. It's. I didn't know it was on the list. It was definitely one of my things on what's in the bag, so I've got an alternate. Oh, well, okay. I yeah. didn't mean to take it away from you. I just no, thought it's, okay. it's it, because of... The ridiculous outrage a month ago, yeah, and I and I still have people asking me my opinion, and and then today coming out and going. What actually irritates me more is, um, by midnight last night, it was like you th- you thought trying to avoid spoilers on Game of Thrones was bad. Yeah, in my feed, it was like a damn minefield of not. <laughs> Getting the spoilers, the revelation of what was from Captain America. It's like, for gosh sake, some of us um, don't get our books until noon. A day beforehand. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and well, some of it's like from England because yeah. they've already, you know, they've right. got it for our Tuesday night. But it, Time it, it's like, oh, damn them. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway. Don't some of the pros get their books early too? In theory. I don't think they do. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know that stores copies well stores could if you have a, if you have um if you have a relationship with a store that has purchased uh 
Yeah. Because the books show up on Tuesdays in the stores for sorting. Right. And, and then if you have a relationship with the store, you can. Um, I We used to have that with Elusive Comics, and uh, but it wasn't consistent. It was like uh, they would get some like a week in advance to read. Wow. Um, I don't think they subscribe to that anymore. So... Uh, but certainly, like I mean, Comics Conspiracy, which runs its own podcast, they do. I meant like the the staff writers and editors and stuff. Uh, no, I say in theory, okay. but it's really a monthly box. They okay. don't, they don't, or they'll get a they could get a PDF. Okay, you know, and I'm sure that DC and Marvel do that. Will occasionally, to certain favored nations, will give PDFs. Uh, you know, no, and I get it too. They don't want it leaking. Oh out. no, sure, you, you know, absolutely. Those weren't the people that were reviewing it and spoiling it. It was, you know, it was like it, it was the mainstream was media people, again yeah. and that, that kind of thing. And I'm it just that part irritates me. I just about done with fandom because everybody then, you know, reposts it. Um, Marvel is canceling the following books in the wake of Secret Wars, Contest of Champions, which I believe we kind of called as as I well. Never, I never picked it up. No, I never picked yeah. it up. But saying it was a concept that was probably a miniseries, yeah. and then it, and then no more. Web Warriors, which I totally got why they did it because Spider Verse did so well. Yeah, but uh, one issue in, I, I'm I still have them. I haven't read them, but my son said, "I, I said I'm buying them because you love Spider Verse." He goes, "Yeah, but this isn't that." Yeah, and so he didn't like that. Howard the Duck, I'm very disappointed to That's find it canceling, but I can imagine it's still kind of cult because. As much as I think Chip Zdarsky was doing a great job writing it, it's just always in the it's always in the fringe, and it's not what it was. You know, um, there was a book I read this week that had a call out, like there was a news report going on in the background about a talking duck in pants that had got arrested or something. Uh, well, he's also showing up in um, Patsy Walker Hellcat. Okay, so you know it's they've built it. The thing is, I was reading Patsy Walker and then realizing, oh, in the wake of Civil War two, I don't know how. This kind of fun book is supposed to fit in the continuity at all. So, anyway. So that's going away. And as well uh, is Hyperion, which I never picked up either. Yeah. I, I, but So the Hyperion they're canceling, but they're not canceling... Um, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. So far, no. No. Okay. But but Nighthawk started later. And yeah. I think, you know, this is, this is the problem... I think he's a stronger character, but I'm tired Hyperion? of Hyperion? Yeah. You mean no, physically? Uh, no, Nighthawk. Nighthawk's, Nighthawk's a, a stronger conceptual yeah. character. Well, because the thing is, it's like, um, is you don't want to do a book, who wants to buy a book that is, well, this is Marvel Superman. Right. And it's not even figuratively, this is Marvel Superman. Right. If you like Superman, you're going to read DCs. Marvel's Superman isn't, you right. know, and it just felt like an expansion too far, too fast. And I don't mind experimentation, but I just didn't think that was going to go well. It was interesting when they did the the limited power series when uh, the limited the supreme runs powers? of supreme powers. Yeah. They, 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 there were a bunch of different ones. Um, and they what they dealt with were, were how the characters and the team fractured and how things went bad and how they covered things up. And that was kind of a, a you know, a, a more, more fun dark side of... of well, and I would say if you want to find, and I think they have a trade paperback of it, the 80s Squadron Supreme book by Mark yeah. Gruenwald yeah. was kind of Marvel's Watchmen, quite honestly. you know, yeah. And yeah. Um, it's a great book and it has a great reputation for a reason. It's, uh, you know, but the other thing I'd say, it's a 12-issue miniseries. And at this point, if you're not going to give us anything new or different about it, and in Avengers, under Jonathan Hickman, 
Hyperion's whole thing about I'm going to protect this earth because I failed with right. mine. Um, and yet with the er- not the arrogance, but the just the simple acknowledgement of his own superiority uh, and the distance he felt that was interesting, but it was interesting in the context of Avengers. It wasn't yeah. interesting yeah. as a solo book. Not as a solo book. So I, and I say that speaking out of my butt. I don't know that that's what their solo book did because I never picked it up. Yeah. I haven't picked up Nighthawk, and as much as I like David Walker, I realized when the second issue came out, I went, Nighthawk doesn't even hold that much to me because I'm reading three Batman books. Yeah. And I like Batman better. And I know that's an unfair comparison, and I love David Walker's writing. But I just wasn't, you know, it just there just wasn't any reason for me to go, I'm not going to give it three issues and get hooked on it because... I just don't care enough. Yeah. You know, so. So let's talk about things we do care about. And let's, let's do it. Let's assume we do. All right. What's at the top of your stack now that I've taken so, Captain America number two out? Of course, I want to do a visual to start. And of course you do. <laughs> but this is. Uh, if you have the video po- version of the podcast. Exactly. Which will be available, what, a week after it's available. Um, it's simply so not this true. Is don't, actually a book don't start from, looking This is actually a book from last week that I read this morning, and I thought, I've got to pull this out. I've got to, I think that's fair. This is X-Men 1 Civil War. And uh, Wait, that's the score? X-Men 1 Civil War 2? Yes, exactly. So the Civil War is coming out ahead. So you, you have not, I'm, I'm assuming you have not picked this book no, up. No, I told you, essentially, on purpose, I'm only going to be reading Civil War 2, the main book. So... On the left-hand page, do you spot anybody who looks like somebody else right off the bat? Uh, yeah. Hey, J-Law's in there. Um, oh, oh, my goodness. Am- ambush Bug is Ambush there. Bug. <laughs> but he's got gills. I know. He, they've, 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 they've modified him, but that's totally Ambush Bug. It's like the second page in on the story. Yeah. But he's standing there. The, the, uh, the, in, the, the, the. Mutants are having a yes. party in a hermetically sealed uh, room as the Terrigen Mists are coming into New York. And so in, among the crowd is this character who looks just like Ambush Bug. So I just love that. I, yes, because remember, and, and they've kind of backed away from it, I think, is the Terrigen Mists were supposed to cause horrible, horrible reactions in mutants, right? Oh, That's why ki- they, they kill mutants. They still do. That's why they're hiding out as the... Uh, uh, and Magneto comes in saying, "You didn't get. You, you're just the elite. You didn't." And so I'm bringing all the rest of the mutants in to. Because uh, uh, let me call out. By the way, uh, Agents of Shield season uh, three has shown up on Netflix. So excellent. Uh, I'm very happy. I can finally that's my summer catch up. So my first my first actual book. I'm going to go with uh, issue four of the Rocketeer at War. Uh, this is the Jane Bone drawn. Uh, um, very Mark Guggenheim written. Yeah, very much uh, in the Darwin Cook style of and kind of nostalgic, but that's all good and that's all excellent actually. So you've got you've got very very stylized uh, representations of Betty and and the Rocketeer. Okay, I'm going to confess something here. What's that? I'm I'm not loving it. No, and and the reason I'm not loving are you picking up? You're oh, reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm liking it well enough, but here's the thing. Okay. This is one of those cases I've realized that the Rocketeer revival has, to me, diminishing returns. Okay. Because the Rocketeer was so Dave Stevens, and everything that pulled us into it... Right. When Betty was supposed to be Betty Page, and was always Betty Page, and J-Bone, I like J-Bone's art. But he's not drawing Betty Page. But he's not drawing Betty Page. He's not drawing... The thing is, everything that made... Cliff, Secord, 
um, and this is the nature of storytelling. There you go. By constantly trying to go back to the well of him, the thing that made the character interesting, the unwillingness, the accidentalness of him. Because if you actually read Dave Stevens' stuff, right, he doesn't really succeed on purpose. And he doesn't really want to do anything other than fly with the rocket pack. It, it's not, you know, so... He rises to the occasion. Yes, he does. But now this is the constant risen. This is post-rise. And what I'm saying is the story is unnecessary. And I don't think adding to the fandom of The Rocketeer. I still love it. Uh, In fact, AV Club just did a little piece on why The Rocketeer, the movie, was this great overlooked gem. Thank you, AV Club. And I totally agree with all that. Sure. And it's just... It's not just a character of the 30s. I'm enjoying it well enough, but it's not what makes me go like I expected when they brought the Rocketeer back. Well, there was that one series, the Mar- miniseries that Mark Wade wrote that came closer to bringing Doc Savage in. Yeah. That made me go that I liked a lot more. This is just feeling like. Well, well this one just- actually went back to, Do- to Howard Hughes in, in this storyline. Uh, but what, what I was actually going to get, get to in this book is this book has a number of elements in it that are done right for a comic. So when was the last time somebody put a poster page in a book in the center where you could pull it out and not destroy the rest of the well, book? Well, uh, the, rock, the Rocketeer at War, issue number three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but they, that's something they've done consistently through this book is to have these n- very nice uh, – enlargements of the front cover right you know but i mean and that's the thing is like yeah no i get you know i get it but but what it is to me is the rocketeer is dave stevens and and dave's and and actually that's true cliff Secord was modeled after dave stevens okay and you know he drew it after himself and can i say one more thing i enjoyed about it you can is a prose there's a continuing prose prose, story in the back and that's that's been nice too. Which but, just like when I was a kid, I skip over that. But uh, so it ends it ends in issue four. So if you if you're looking for how long you're going to have to commit to reading prose, that it's just four no. Years. I didn't commit to it. I don't. I wasn't I even looking to it. I know. I know. Um, this this for me is a, is was a it's a five dollar book, and yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot more than you are, and I enjoy especially the idea that they've done things to make it more of what I expect from a, from a premium book to have additional no, things. No, 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 no. I would agree with and that. Aside from the fact I, that... I can see I, that I point of view. I yeah. My thing is what made that character stand out in the first right. place was an artist with a style that was hyper-realistic. And right. J-Bone is... they And you know what? Like, If J-Bone or Darwin Cook had created The Rocketeer, I'd feel differently. Uh-huh. It's... There are artists that could be doing the kind of work it's true. that he was doing that, that he was doing, and it's not on the, these books. And that's and did Dave Stevenson do? Did Dave Stevens do this character better than anyone else? No doubt. Is, is everything right. he did beautiful and frame worthy? Absolutely. I still like the I still like the concept, but and I, I like the, the serial nature of of storytelling. So. Throw Steve Root at it. Sure. You know, Hasn't he? I don't know if he has. Huh. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's just because the, the tone of what caught people in the first place 
is so different artistically. Uh-huh. It's not the storytelling. I mean, although I say, yeah, the character has changed definitely, but of course it's going to move on. But then on the flip side, I'd say, then why not just let it go? Who at this point, I guess that's my other thing is, who at this point is benefiting, I know you'll say, the fans, okay? But who owns it and who who is, who oh. you know, I, and I'd like to know what its sales are. And, and don't get I, I was excited that IDW brought it back, but I just realized reading the third issue a couple of weeks ago that uh-huh. I was kind of like, yeah, it's just not. It's just not getting me the way like oh, when that first one came out, you know. And I have, I think every version of reprinting that original material that has come out, you know. Okay. And so, show me a great book. Oh, I don't know if I can do. Okay, I'm going to do this because it's. Uh, I wanted to say that for that. A great uh, no, I've got good books. And okay, that's where show I go. me a good book. DK three, Dark Knight three, The Master Race. Because by the way, I'd also like to say if you were tricked into buying the stupid one shot, The Last Crusade with the Joker on the cover, yeah, which to me was a complete waste of time. Um, I was. Did you? Were you tricked? I haven't read it yet, but I I bought it. Well, it just doesn't cover anything new that. If he had told that story in 19... When did it first come out? 85, 86? Yeah, probably. If he had told that story... I think they call it The Last Crusade. Um, it's the... It's basically the Jason Jason Todd story. What happened to Jason Todd? Yeah. But CDC already did that exact same story. And even though it's a slightly different Frank Millerized version of Batman and Jason Todd, it's still basically the same story. And so I was just kind of like, wow, I can't believe I spent six or seven bucks on that. Yeah. And uh, and it was also supposed to have been inked by Bill Sienkiewicz. And then he was pulled off the book, but not off the solicitations. Ooh. So, you know, and they said it's probably an honest editorial mistake. And even Bill Sienkiewicz said that it's like it just it was a change. The communication didn't get to whoever was supposed to edit the cover. But it is still like, oh, that would have been artistically something interesting, so I didn't like that. But, but DK3, the actual book five of this miniseries, is interesting. Like, I have, this is, I, I kind of went, I, I hate, we said back when the first one came out, I was like, I'm going to hate this one. And then I was like, oh, no, it was actually really good. And then a couple of issues, and I was like, oh, it's back to the same thing. I, whether it's Frank Miller's changing mind or Brian Azzarello's influence on Frank Miller, this has become a much more complicated moral story than mm, I thought it was okay. going to be. And so I was really glad with that. I don't like the little inside of Lara, the single issue thing, because I'm realizing, man, Frank Miller is doing like the same layout and the same positions and the poses yeah. over and over yeah, and over. That is a pose we've seen before. Oh, oh, it'll get worse when you look inside. So, But I'm not buying it for these mini issues. In fact, I'm finding these mini comics. Is that Hit Girl? No. Uh, it's finding it a weird distraction in the middle play, and it even feels like contradictory to some of the of the main story. But the main story is really cool, uh, and as I said, it is complicated. And I'm not so sure I'm supposed to be on Batman's side anymore. But I don't. I'm not to say that he's yeah. the bad guy. It's just that this is a much grayer vision than I thought it was going to be. How so, many issues is that supposed to be? They're not going to tell us. It'll just really? suddenly one day stop. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's. I think it doesn't it's, stop. It screeches. To I home. don't know. Is it say it, it's it's it just <laughs> one. It lies to us in the indicia. Published monthly. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, published whenever they it's get. It's always to published it. during a month. That is true. Um, 
So I don't know how long it's going. And there are talks that he's going to continue because they, I think they even refer to it as the Dark Knight universe. Uh, no, it's based on the Dark Knight Returns. But some, maybe the mini books is Dark Knight Universe Presents. Hmm. Lara, number one, is the mini comic inside. So the, they are intending to go forward with the Dark Knight Universe. This is a much more hopeful vision of Superman than he's ever allowed before. And I kind of even like his Flash. Yeah. And uh, they really haven't done much with Green Lantern. But um, but Aquaman appears in this and is great. The one thing that we haven't discussed on this one is the fact that every month they're coming out with a hardbound version of a prior month. Okay, I, this is a little desperate. This is – go ahead. No, I mean, it, this just, is a little desperate. It's I, like – You know what? I haven't how noticed – How many times are you going to buy this in the same year? I haven't noticed because I haven't paid attention. I noticed when the first one did it and yeah. I was like, that is ridiculous. And so now clearly I have some kind of hysterical blindness. Yeah. I walk into a store. You're not going to lie. There's a weird – There's a weird empty blur. space on the shelf. I don't know what that book – I'm reaching and there's nothing there. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, because it is such a – that's such a naked cash grab. Yeah. Because they're going to come out with a combined book – as well, that'll have multiple issues in it. And well, there's we'll already the, an ultimate uh, edition of the first two Dark Knight. Oh, really? oh they just combined two? To, to, the, uh, oh, no, pardon uh, me, the first uh, two uh, the series. The Dark Knight Returns yes, yes, yes. and the Dark Knight Strikes Again. Right. Which I'm tempted to get because I can't find my Dark Knight Returns. I can find the original individual oh. issues, but my son's almost, you know, in a year or two. Yeah. He's going to be ready for those, you know, uh, maybe. And it'd be nice to have a, just a nice version of it, but because it is worth rereading. And this is this is one of those things like Cardi Angelou say about Alan Moore and the classics is is Frank are we just are we just draining the blood from the Frank Miller diehard fans and they're dying off? <laughs> you know, I I spent my but <laughs> I spent my medication money on no no no. But I just mean it's like I know that there are people. It, it's yeah. like I've said about the Rocketeer. When there's a new version of Dave uh, Dave Stevens' art on it, I have bought every version, uh-huh. and so I. But the thing is, there's a lot less Rocketeer than there is That's Dark true. Knight, That's true. and you're and you're absolutely right. I think it's a shame for DC to say this is a good, buy these buy the individual issues. I'm fine, or wait for the trade, but to but. To give me that issue and then say, and now here's the hardcover deluxe edition of just that issue. Yes. But you've already paid five, six, uh, how much did I pay for that? Six dollars. Six dollars for that sucker. Now pay 15. Right. So you can have it on your bookshelf. Maybe more than 15. Actually. And then at the end of it all, we're going to give you the really deluxe edition exactly. that has it. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I, I, Good. I, got, I got burned on Kingdom Come, Good. you know. Uh, I know I didn't. I actually really enjoyed my, my – I love the Kingdom Come edition I have. But anyway, go ahead. So my second is actually a breath of fresh air because we've got the all-new, all-different Avengers number 11. And the reason why I picked this one out, aside from the fact it's got a lovely Alex Ross cover on it, um, issue 10, uh, this is a storyline that is to, as, uh, three issues in. Um, during a time when all the other books are ramping up for Civil War, this somehow is existing without any reference to Civil War at all. And I'm loving that. I think that's fantastic. Um, the, but one thing that, that tickled me at the end of issue 10, this is, uh, we've got, it's a war between the, uh, well, it, it, it takes a storyline out of Nova 
mm-hmm. and continues it into a search for Nova's father, but then quickly gets sidetracked and ends up gone in, again. My yeah. God. Well, he didn't really come back, but I'm not going to spoil that for okay, you. Someday man. you'll read those books. Oh yeah, no, I'm going through. Um, so issue 10, we had, uh, Nihilus, Nihilus had captured all of the Avengers and the, oh, let's see. I'll, I'll, do I still have the issue here? Yeah, I do. Um, Ends with, and I just want to see what your reaction is to this, because I know we've talked about this before. So the Avengers have all been captured, and they're they're basically um, in chains. And it's at the bottom, it says, it says you belong to Annihilus. And then it says, next, the Stalag of Space. That doesn't ring a bell for you? Legion the, of Superheroes, I mean, yeah, the, the yeah, the the, the Stalag of Space, yes, it's like the first, uh, like one of the first double issue stories I ever read was uh, was that, and that's why Marvel did it, yeah. I, I'm sure it's, because there is going to be that point, yeah. Marvel's only writing books for you. It'll be indeed Rick Brett Schneider's Avengers. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a fun story, and uh, we've got. I think it's going to wrap on issue twelve. Okay, here's what I think. We, we have different covers for the same thing. Because we've talked so long on these other, <laughs> let's, go, let's just go three, two, one. Spectrum! Spectrum. <laughs> so, have you read it? I thought this was the same one that was free comic book day, but it, I haven't read it It isn't. Yet. It isn't. That's no. fantastic. That's why I bought it just in case. But it's as confusing as, as the... I, I had to read the original one through twice to get what was going on. Oh, I'm so excited then. And this one, this one's pretty much the same way. Um, because it's coming in on a storyline that we're not really cued into, so there's lots of references to things that have happened to people before and relationships, mm-hmm. and and so. PJ it, Shannon, if you're if you're um, he's listening he, to this podcast right now, I'm looking at the back cover with the t-shirts, and I would just like to say. Uh, the inside back cover. Oh. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked this book up for good reason. It's, it's, it's quality stuff. Uh, you know, Frank, better maybe from Automatic. I would like a t- I would like the, uh, set aside the t-shirt at, at Comic Con for me of Keep Calm and I'll See You in Hell. Uh, because I've suddenly found <laughs> I like that, that one. That's the first Keep Calm t-shirt I've ever wanted to wear. <laughs> I don't know where I could wear it. I like Hush It Down. But you know, you have to have watched the series, to, which you should. Yeah. But um, I don't, I, there isn't a shirt on this that I wouldn't wear. No, but I but I think of like, would other people get it? Would other people find it funny? Right. And right, right. And, and that's uh, one that just says keep calm. And there's an ad for a con man this year. I was going to say because we knew about this ad. We time, knew about but the game. Now we can talk about it because we. Well, there's not much to talk about at this point except that uh, I'm totally. It just what, is coming soon. We were told about it. Back at I think we were allowed. Uh, we, we were still allowed to keep Did that in the podcast. I thought we were allowed. I thought BJ okay. told us. Uh, you know, um, so it's like one of the city building yes, uh, yeah, yeah. phone games, but but at a convention. At a convention, and then aliens attack based on and con man and in the stylized art looks. Well, so now really I'm cool. even more excited to uh, read this because I thought I was just going to have to thumb through and go, oh, I've already read this because no, it was it's, issue zero. It's totally and, different. Well, see, and there you go. It takes up, it's, it is immediately following the last issue. 
the, the that's fantastic yeah. and we have alternate covers we both got different covers but i i don't even know but that is from automatic publishing which is our friend frank better who does the uh hatter m and the looking glass wars yep. novels uh and so uh i'm thrilled that uh the, the line is and i always feel bad when i say it. it's like our friend well yes they're people that actually recognize us when we walk it, up to their booth um, that does not mean that we are like, you know, taking long walks on the beach or even having dinner, though it would be nice. Uh, but the thing is, and this is what makes my life so difficult is when I meet people like this, whose talent I admire and they turn out to be nice people, I really do like them and I do want them to succeed. And luckily, yes, they actually deserve that. You know, I mean, they, and when they succeed, they don't turn into bad people. No, I, yeah. I no, no, none of them have. <laughs> but uh, maybe Lon Lopez. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, but he'd be happy to say I, I thought you had another punchline. There. No, I was trying to think like somebody who would get who would feel duly, you know, teased, right? But uh, but I, I I mean that I think Spectrum is a great book, and my connection to Spectrum was not just Frank, but uh, Shannon Denton, yeah, who would say like, oh, Car Car actually messaged me and said. How did you meet Shannon? Was it? And I said, "Well, Carr, it was actually through you, through this project, because I knew Rob, you know." And I just say, "It's just kind of interesting. We had, I had to trace that back." They continue their their stylized pictures of oh, yes, all the I individuals I, in the I back, yeah, uh, in, in drawn in the uh, in the spectrum. But I, I, I was just going to say, so I knew Spectrum because of uh, I, uh, Shannon Eric Denton, who I had become friends with in the last few years. And, you know, and then got to meet PJ Harsma, who is really cool. And Alan Tudyk is really cool, which I knew from afar to have actually had now a conversation is like, oh, you are as kind and nice as we could as hope, as we could hope, hope. you know. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, so I and, and I know that he really does get in the trenches of writing the script. And so I, it's. Uh, his character on Con Man is couldn't be further from him, huh. though I'm sure some of the experiences he's had have been similar. Probably, you know. Um, Does he have an action figure yet? There is a Firefly. There is uh, a, a there Firefly? is a Firefly because okay. they were selling it at Elusive when he came to, to okay. design. Okay, um, it's that reaction, and then the, no, the better one. Um, because I have the Rocketeer from that the, the that company that was doing the the, yeah, the Game of Thrones is that Funko Funko was doing those, or did they do reactions? There's a better one that is more like the black label or the black series oh, okay. of, of the Star Wars ones. Okay. Actually, I think the Star Wars, the black label, are copying them, but I can't remember who the maker is. Okay. I bought the Rocketeer. There's a whole bunch of Game of Thrones ones I know, and there's a Firefly set, so yeah. I know I've seen that. Um, but uh, I, I'm just – I this book is good sci-fi. Um, it's fun, and if you're not watching Con Man, well, join – Comic Con HQ, you'll get that, or get the Blu-ray from con, conman.com, uh, and that—that's another one to remind me. Oh, all the things I need to watch. Uh, now that I've watched the series a couple of times, now I, want, I need to watch it with the commentary, and so um, cool stuff. Uh, you were gonna say uh, Captain America number two? Captain America number two is my was my third book, but I had it's like. I had the little note about ambush bug in there. I think I, I was letting you sneak sneak five in. Right? I th I think the uh, five. I got four. Uh, with that, the, the what we didn't note was the the cover blurb, which was the secret history of Steve Rogers. It's like they're, they're it's like they're prodding the uh, no, it's the true. Well, there was an interesting theory, and I should put this out there: was that I can't remember what site did this article, but 
I thought, no, it's an interesting point. I don't know that Nick Spencer, this is really what he was doing, but someone took it from a semiotics point of view mm -hmm. and said, look, we know that Jack Kirby's original vision, and this is not like a new Marvel defense of anything, this has been said, is that Jack Kirby had intended early on in the 60s for Steve Rogers to give up the role. Uh -huh. And the, 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 the idea being that the character of Cat, that the mantle of Captain America was bigger than any one man because it's Captain America. So when Sam Wilson became Captain America, it was kind of a, you know, Jack totally would have approved of that and that would have been his, his hope. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then an Asian man could have become, and anybody could have become, there'd be female Captain Americas. And, um, so what this commentary was, was that, you know, Marvel ages, Steve Rogers, he becomes Steve Rogers, super soldier for a while after right. Bucky. And I remember when the winter soldier became Captain America, I, I think in the podcast and then maybe even in a commentary on legacy fanboy com, said Bucky was definitely a vision of who we are as Americans. Now he's got the gun. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's kind of a, you know, in the early days of Obama, you know, that the, he, the Bucky cap. The, yeah. The Bucky cap, as right. they said, you know, uh, that it's this vision of he's done some bad things. Right. But he is trying to atone. He is trying to do the best thing. And I know there's probably people angry that I even say that America had to atone. But it's like it's more like at a vision of America that wasn't sure it had done the right thing in the past. And right. so the and so this was a guy saying, But that's all right, I'm gonna move forward, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be righteous and I'm gonna do the best I can. Yeah. And and that's all I think anybody can ask for. So I thought that was more that was definitely a, a a Captain America for that time. And then Steve went on, you know, was in Dimension Z and came back as Steve Rogers Super Soldier, and then he aged. Right. And Sam Wilson became Captain America, and mm -hmm. it's even called the book is called Sam Wilson Captain, Captain America. America. And so the commentary was that the thing is there are fans who are like, no, it's Steve Rogers, Captain America. And we, we agree in diversity, but Steve Rogers should be this blonde, blue-eyed American because it's always got to be, right? And so right. so after issue number one, the commentary came as, oh, so he's been revealed to essentially be Marvel's equivalent of a Nazi all along. Well, maybe this is just commentary on fandom. We tried to change. You try, we made Sam Wilson Captain America because you all said you wanted that you would be accepting of diversity. And then it really wasn't that it's the it was basically the comment here was the racists wouldn't accept Sam Wilson as Captain America, so, so we, we gave you so we gave you the Captain America you wanted, and it's a racist. I don't think that was really going on. No, with Nick Spencer. But remember, there was a storyline where uh, we discovered uh, actually it's, it's an uncovering of in the fifties there were Captain America comics. Right, right, right. The, the, and that the, was the and Patriot, it turned out that the, the Patriot and he the, didn't have the Vita rays. That's where they right, created the Vita rays. Right, yeah. right. So this and they brought this guy forward. Because as isn't a Captain um, America. isn't the second nomad was the Bucky from that? Yes. Jack Roper? No um No it's three three's company. Um no, John Ritter and Mr. Jack Mr. Tripper. Mr. Roper, yeah. Mr. Roper, no, but They're it was right. I think it was Jack Roper was they call was okay. the name of the character I think. Somebody else correct me. Yeah, my Captain America knowledge is not as strong as it should be. I know it, but that that Cap was kind of a racist. He was he was uh, right. arrogant and as and, was U.S. Agent. Yeah, originally, yep. uh, right? You know, and so uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, and what this issue number two revelation is is like, oh yeah, you know. I again, like I said, we called it, and so next week, right. people, you'll have read it, and we can all have this nice conversation about go. what it was. This is, 
Of course this was. So anyway, I'm going to go almost appropriately to my next book, the latest collection of Evil Incorporated, <laughs> uh, which is a Kickstarter. So this, but it is a now now available. Brad Gigar, who again is another person. I was actually a fan first. I met him at a comic con and was delighted to discover that he was as fun and kind uh, as I'd hoped after becoming addicted to his web comic, which. I kind of fell away from reading the webcomic because he has these really nice trade paperback versions of collections where he turns them into graphic novels. So this is the latest, The Ruby of Ragnar. This is volume nine. And I, I, I backed it and got the copy this week and I wasn't going to read it because I realized I'm missing some of the trades in between. And I thought, no, I'm this going to enjoy great. it. Uh, yeah, he colorized. Uh, you know, so is he, it originally black and white? He does them originally black and white, and then he rearranges them into graphic novel form. They're really kind of short stories. There's not one overarching plot. You can kind of see where it'd be like half a page for yeah. the webcomic. Yeah. And what I love about it is, you know, honestly, there are some jokes that that don't land for me, but when he lands, and far more often than he doesn't, uh, it's hilarious. If you're a fan of superhero tropes and Basically, the the if you aren't reading Evil Incorporated, which is at evil inc dot com, uh, is a webcomic in which the the th- the uh, villains decide to incorporate create a company long before the plot of Ant Man involved Hench, uh, the app, and so they've incorporated and they're trying to monetize being villains, and you can negotiate. And this is even before I think started before Venture Brothers really formulated their ideas of the of the guild of calamitous intent and uh what i love is sometimes he sometimes he's got a fully fleshed out cast of his own but we'll just sometimes acknowledge marvel and dc characters on the side they'll show up in the corners and uh there's a joke about a character trying to make sure he has the same perfectly uh grade temples even lines of reed richards and kenny you know so um Nine volumes so far. This is the latest. And uh, if you find Brad at a convention, he usually has a table. Uh, I don't know if he, he. I don't think he came out of Comic Con last year. But when he comes out, I buy. I buy at least one volume a year from him. It's so, it's one of the larger graphic novels I've ever seen in page size. Right. So the first and production quality. The first top two, notch. Oh, absolutely. The first. So the, he. I actually. So it's Evil Incorporated, and the subtitle is The Ruby of Ragnar. But actually, these are called the e- Evil Incorporated. The graphic novel series is Evil Incorporated Annual Reports. Nice. So this is the ninth year of, of collecting it. Okay. Okay. So this is 20 bucks, but like an old Far Side or, or Calvin and Hobbes, I know that I go back and reread and find them just as funny every volume I have of this. In fact, I think I have an unread volume somewhere in my stack that I need to so go back and So is it two find. jokes per page at least? Oh, it's several. Okay. It's several, and then it's very a lot of very visual stuff. Okay, and the main characters are there's a super villain, villainous mismatch, who, a flame start fire starter who works for Evil Incorporated, and her husband is the, basically the Superman analog. So they're married, but they have to keep their marriage a secret. No one should know that the world's greatest superhero and one of the pun intended hottest supervillains uh, are married and have a child. Uh huh. And everyone around them that are close friends do know, and they help keep the secret. But it's uh, so you know it's, it becomes domestic sitcom, then it becomes commentary on evil. So is it worth going back and starting with issue one? You don't have to. You can catch up to. But I is mean, it worth it? I mean, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So uh, I because sometimes web comics don't come into their own until the guy this, matures. No, a bit I more. discovered this 
seven or eight years ago, and I think I'll, I'll give props. I think it was Chris Gar. My memory may have blurred. I may have discovered it, and Chris Garcia went, "Oh, I love Evil Incorporated." Who? Why didn't anyone tell me? That's a catchphrase for Chris Garcia. Why didn't anybody tell me it was still publishing? You're full of crap. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we haven't had Chris on in too long. Uh, but uh, but anyway, it, you know, I discovered it early on. Went back and read through like two years worth from the beginning, and then and then. I hadn't quite caught up and then I fell behind again mm. and went, no, I'm just going in trades because it's much easier for me to pick up a book. Sure. I got this in the mail last night and I, is a, I, I've been, as you well know, I've been working very, very long hours the last couple of weeks. I was exhausted and my Facebook post like 1am was, have you ever been so tired? You can't even go to bed because yes. I'm on the, I'm on the couch going, I must, get up and I can't do it and then I got up and I had this by my bed and I effing stayed up and, <laughs> read, the and read the whole thing because it was just so fun I'm like I don't want to wait I don't want to wait any longer to read Evil Incorporated so can I get you another cup of coffee because I'm worried about you driving home now no I'm fine uh, anyway so that's my last what's in the bag and we get to to uh, movies which you know will go a lot faster from here on out right um, because, uh, there's a couple of comic stories, movie stories. Uh, Dark Horse has a graphic novel about the Green River Killer. Uh, I do not know 32 story. victims. Uh, oh yeah. Been, uh, uh, he was caught about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Jensen, who I think wrote for Entertainment Weekly, his father was the detective on the case. Okay. So Michael Sheen, the actor, the British actor is going to direct an adaptation of the Jeff Jensen written graphic novel story of the Green River Killer and the the hunt that his father was on to catch the killer. And uh, I hadn't seen the graphic novel either. And I I really do like true crime graphic novels. Like, you know, uh, go back. If you wonder why Brian Michael Bendis is all over the place and why Marvel took a shot on on him, it was basically, it was true crime stuff. Torso, uh, story of Elliot Ness and the Torso Killer in Cleveland. Uh, graphic novel with uh, Mark Andreco um, was just a tremendous graphic novel before before Marvel tagged him to write Daredevil, um, and I, I had uh, I picked up one a couple years ago about uh, Truman Capote, and I can't think of, I can't even think of who the publisher was, but it was one of the best graphic novels I'd read all read that year, and so this is one that I, as soon as I saw this news I'm like well I like Michael Sheen as an actor he's making his directing debut he's going to a, to a graphic novel for source material not like one of I'm sure these several non-fiction books that are out there he went to the graphic novel yeah and um, so I'm sure there's a there's an angle on it that's interesting and it's Dark Horse you know and I, I just love it's it's almost like that the, the road to perdition i know that when that movie yeah. comes out i get to point back and say you know that's a graphic novel people go no it was a real killer yes but it's based on a graphic novel uh, you know sorry of it do you so, think they like graphic novels because it's like halfway done to the storyboards from there there is that rumor um i think there's i think that's partially it's easier to envision that way i've yeah. he- i've heard that angle many times um easier to sell to the uh the finance. I, I would bet that there's something to that, yeah. but I would say the other thing is Dark Horse has Dark Horse Productions, and I have I have a friend in Dark Horse Productions, and I know he is tireless in calling, emailing, you know, in, when he knows that Dark Horse has a product that 
would make a great film. Forward. He yeah. is fantastic and connected and in the conversations. And sometimes those movies don't end up being that great. And sometimes they do. And, you know, but that's Hollywood, you know. But I – so, it, you know, it, it's both. Dark Horse pushes it, and that's because they're in the business of publishing comics. Not because uh, – Yeah. So, uh, Deadpool, have you seen the Japanese trailer for X-Men Apocalypse? I have not. Okay. I'm going to spoil this totally for you. Okay. Because it's it's so hilarious. So, it's like the regular X-Men Apocalypse – and then as it gets to the point in the trailer where you would normally just say, X-Men Apocalypse coming to da, da da then Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool breaks in and says, hi, Deadpool here. And he's sitting in a chair. And that's because apparently Deadpool is opening in Japan. Hasn't yet, but is opening in Japan before X-Men Apocalypse. Okay. So he says, I'm, uh, or maybe it's after because the joke is, he says, um, let's face it. I had to interrupt this trailer because... Not a lot of people get to the end of a Fox movie. And <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, it's, oh my. and he just does like, I think it's the top five reasons why Deadpool is going to be better than an X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> so, I'm like, because truthfully, I saw X-Men Apocalypse. And if you made me choose which of those two oh, movies no I like better, it was Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And, the thing with Deadpool now is I think I, I think I saw I saw it twice in the theater, and I'm realizing why have I not bought it yet? Uh-huh. Well, I think because I just don't want my son begging me to watch it. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's just like I know it's on Amazon Prime. Why haven't I watched it yet on TV? Because I got other things to see. I know because I put the pre-order in the day it came out. Well, you know, available. I've just got so many unwatched Blu-rays, and I'm just kind of going, do I really need it? Yes, yeah, that one I do. Yeah. But, eh. Um, so I didn't want Debbie. Debbie, I wasn't going to take Debbie to the theater to see this, but sitting here in our own house, where you can so, stop and cover her eyes when the bad parts happen. Yes, exactly. You know, that's you are exactly. so lucky she doesn't listen to this podcast anymore. She would say yes. That's what it does. <laughs> she, I do remember her asking me if I thought it was, and I said it was just it, it was gory. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I you know anyway so it's very funny look up the Japanese trailer for X Men Apocalypse and Deadpool's interruption is hilarious I'll check that out um, and has there you know that that is as much as Christopher Reeve is to Superman the iconic and Chris Evans is the iconic uh, Captain America no one can replace him yeah it is as if Deadpool were created so that Ryan Reynolds could pull on those tights yes and uh anyway um. They've announced that there's going to be... Oh, this is insane. <laughs> not only is there going to be a, a film version of Tetris, yeah. it's a trilogy because I'm pretty sure after the first film there will be so many unanswered questions. The nuances there are where, so Where deep. did that... Geog- you know, yeah. uh, this just in. No, I, I, Tangrams, the HBO series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I understand the first film is only going to introduce three of the shapes. I think that's probably true. Yeah. And I, honestly, and no, I'm sure that every other podcast in the world has made that joke too. Um, and and that's, that's the problem. It's like, it's like what? And then there's a whole new layer. Right. Um, and, it's going to be black and white too, the first movie. And, and, the, and, the, and the second movie will be, this time we're taking it to a whole new level. First one's in black and white. Second one's got new, all the shapes are in it. And the third one's in 3D. It never ends, does it? Yeah. Do you ever play Tetris 3D? No. It was an awful game. No. Um, the thing is, I, when I was a young single man and didn't need sleep, I bought <laughs> the first Nintendo, right? The 8-bit one. Right. 
and I bought Tetris. And one night I was playing it and like, and I didn't have anywhere to go. So I was just like, oh, my roommates are gone. They went out to dinner, went to a movie. They came back and said, you're still playing. And I was like, oh, I am. And then it was like <laughs> four in the morning one night. And I was just like, I can't. And I have not played Tetris since because I realized it was just too easy to just give in to the pattern. You know, and- my, my first Tetris, Tetris was in black and white because it was on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that was like, I you know. That's, for a lot of people, that's their introduction I think to that, Russian music. I think that was actually how I discovered Tetris. Was a student had a Game Boy and he yeah. and he brought it and showed it to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is oh oh." And then you know, then I I really went to Target and bought the eight bit cartridge and was like, "It was too too damned addicting." Well, you could play it. You could play it with the link between the Game Boys, so you could actually send the blocks over to the other the other Game Boy. So when you completed a row, it would show up on the other guys. This, by the way, uh, for any casual listeners, this is what nerds do in lieu of forming actual human relationships. This was forming actual human relationships. <laughs> no. If Over it, a network. If there's a cable involved. In those days, it was a cable, too. Hey, you at least to physically connect. I was up all night with a friend. Well, let me put it this way. <laughs> and then I got a girlfriend, and that never happened again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Sure. Or was it just like this stuffed animal with a Game Boy in front of it and just going... Actually, if I had gotten a girlfriend at that time, my wife would have been really upset. Yeah, well... Oh, so you were married. So we totally understand why you weren't paying attention to anybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, again. So lucky Debbie doesn't listen. Unless you edit without the headphones on. Uh, so that's really... Let's go to television because I think this was the most thrilling news of the day. Uh, this is another one where I do know the producer of this, and so I'm thrilled for him to find because I know how long he's been trying to make this happen. Yeah, Lost in Space has been announced for ten episodes for Netflix in 2018, a remake of Lost in Space. So, at this point, that's all we can honestly say about it. I know you're a big Lost in Space fan. Yes, um, both the TV series and the movie. I love the movie. I have the movie. I don't really recall liking it that much. Mm. But mainly because I love the a tone. Nice little, of, it was a tight little time travel. And I like the Lost in Space comic that's currently out. Those Lost scripts uh-huh, that they're uh-huh. adapting. I think it's being done really well by uh, American Gothic Press, I think is it. Uh, but uh, I have a Dr. Uh, Dr. Smith action figure. Kevin Burns is the producer. He's been he's the owner of the Irwin Allen uh, estate, basically the properties. And he's been trying to push that for a long, long time. And in fact... Oh, the you know I, I do want to say the, every article has mentioned that there was an attempt to revive it uh, on Fox early, um, right after the movie had come out. Uh-huh. Uh, but Jonathan Harris passed away, and uh, but they had I think no one's seen it, but I think they managed that they had shot a pilot, and I will say if I'm right that they did, that is the great lost episode that you would killed to see yeah because they had found a way to it was the original cast original surviving cast brought back wow um and they'd found a way to keep jonathan harris who was in his 90s at that point but to keep him on the show without having him do you know be physical right and um it was so damn clever, and then he, but unfortunately, he, he had passed away before they could they could they could sell it. But so honestly, I'm not sure if the story that was told to me about it was well, this is what we would have done, 
or if they had actually shot it. Yeah. And if I ever run into Bill Mooney, which you, we must eventually at a convention, um, I would have to ask him because he would have been involved in that. I don't don't know if that's real, but there is there are ten episodes coming, and I will assume there'll be another ten because everybody's going to just nostalgic factor. That's just a great concept for for a series, a family with a couple extra people out in space. And I'm going to go back to Dark Horse, yeah. the original Gold Key series, Space yeah. Family Robinson, mm-hmm. is available in archive editions from Dark yep. Horse, uh, f- and I- one of the better sci-fi shows from that ser- uh, adaptations from that that period. As opposed to like the Star Trek, which is well, bizarre. no, see, but it's the but it's the other way around. Right. That's the thing is, it is a dark story in that basically Irwin Allen created took, his own version right, right. and didn't pay Gold Key anything, but right. he did. But eventually, the settlement was, and Gold Key, you had the crappiest lawyers in the history of IPs. Um, the settlement was Gold Key got the right to call Space Family Robinson lost, lost in, in space. space. Yeah. And which is just ridiculous. But when you look in hindsight, considering what an IP that is, um, but it's still, it's, it's very exciting that that's happening. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff you can go. And I think still like Fox, didn't they have the, the anniversary edition box that you have that right? The Blu-ray uh, for uh, the remastered lost in space, the complete series. No, I don't have that. Oh, I, I, I thought for sure no, you were going that. to do that. Uh, but anyway, it, uh, so it's around. Uh, it's out there, and uh, it, it, it's fun. Uh, I I have a friend who is like occasionally sort of quasi blogging on Facebook as he rewatches old episodes. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I won't call out who it is, but but it, it is just funny to go like, I think we may agree. It's sort of like who we had on Rocketeer. We may agree to disagree about the quality of that episode, and then I think maybe not. <laughs> maybe I would find that delightfully cheesy. I don't know. Um. Was there an episode, there was an episode with a woman floating around outside the ship. Yes. With Dr. Smith. Yes. Was that Julie Newmar or was that just somebody who looked kind of like Someone who looked like Julie Newmar, I think. Again, right in. Hey, if you're a hardcore Lost in Space fan, I just remember it fondly. I honestly don't think I've watched it in a long time. Uh, but it went from the sublime to the ridiculous. Well, exactly. Uh, the it, first it, season was really much more hardcore sci-fi than when you and got it changed like, as often. You know, the it, Carrot Man and that—that's the end. That's the—that's that's the sec. That's the penultimate episode. Yeah. The Great Vegetable Rebellion, and that was the episode being blogged the other day, uh, yeah. being posted on Facebook, and I was just like. You're being sarcastic, right? When you're saying it was fun, I mean, because yeah. uh, the thing I remember about that story was hearing the urban myth. That's what caused the cast to quit. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. And yet there were things I do remember about moisture. I need yes. moisture. Yes. The watering Dr. Smith, can. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even the dumbest. Here's the thing. Even the dumbest Lost in Space episodes you still haunted yeah. my dreams, oh, and I mean ones? that there's imagery and and Jonathan Harris's delivery. Also, I'm so I was so happy when Jonathan Harris kind of came back to Pixar and became the you know was like one of their go to voice guys because it was just like oh that fantastic third act again yeah. you know I love that which is I should say by the way I forgot to write this down speaking of third acts Mark Hamill who is going to have a very 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 long 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 third act right you know he's only sixty five or sixty six but he wrapped up principal photography on episode eight and he said well. You know, uh, so I'm out of a job and uh, about a work. And I know that he absolutely meant, you know, we're done. You know, he's just being silly. He's just being right, Mark right, Hamill right. going like, you know, okay, we're done with episode eight. Uh, the Twitterverse has blown up going, <laughs> Luke Skywalker's going to get killed. And he had to actually like 
go back on and say, guys, I was just, just meant that we're done filming episode eight. And I'm just like, you know, yeah, I can say that knowing him just well enough to know he's having the time of his life, just being funny and people are paying attention right, to his right, Twitter, right. you know, it's like, but he's not realizing how seriously everybody's taking everything. So, well, we do get to, he does voice the Joker in the killing joke, right? Yes. Yeah. So we get to see that, uh, soon. Yeah. He's going to be in the killing joke. And that's what really I have to say about Mark Hamill. Do you have your tickets for the uh, theater? No, because I'll be driving back up from San Diego. I don't know if I will go. Okay. Um, it's, like the Tuesday after, <coughs> it's the Monday after. Is it the Monday? It's okay. the Monday, and that's usually my drive. My drive back up, right? I usually and fly I think back. I'm and I think I'm going to drive all the way back up to San Jose. Okay, and if I do, then you know I will not be in have any energy you to go watch. to the movie and fall asleep. I, you know, I can fall asleep for free. Comfy chairs up at the uh... <laughs> the Mountain View. Yeah. yeah. No, it is interesting because uh, I did see uh, Comics Conspiracy, the shop in Sunnyvale, is actually sponsoring one of the screenings, and I think it's the one in Mountain View. Okay. So I, you know, it's, which I would imagine there are comic shops all over the country doing that, and they should be, and I hope that Warner reached out that way. Um, so I, before we, you know, rave, Preacher has been renewed for a second season. Uh Arrow is adding characters from Coast City, so they've taunted in the uh, CW-verse, the Arrow-verse, as they say, the existence of Coast City, because uh, the Flash, I think, went by, uh, there's a sign for Ferris Aircraft. Okay. But it's actually, uh, one, I was thrilled this actress is still around, because uh, I sh- uh, she was on this show, oh, dang it, I can't remember the name of the sh- series on the CW, or, uh, on UPN, or maybe WB, but it wasn't a CW show. It was a satire of, like, 90210. It was a show within a show of doing a teen soap opera. Her name was Carly Pope, and she is playing the... This is obscure. She's the report. She's a reporter who is the wife in comics of Jim Jordan, Hal's brother. So, basically, she's coming on as Hal Jordan's sister-in-law, sister-in-law. investigating uh, reports of the Arrow in uh, Star City. So it's just kind of, hmm, hmm. Will we get a Green Lantern on the CW before we get the Green Lantern Corps in 2020? And I'm okay with that, too. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, I'd want it, uh, it to, to fit in that Arrowverse, because Green Lantern is, is like one of those kind of overpowered characters for against everybody else on the TV. I mean, the Flash... The Flash is probably the, but if they bring in, you know, what if, if they bring get, in Supergirl, if yeah. you're going to bring Supergirl, if you're going to bring in the Justice Society, yeah, well, yeah, in context, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. because the thing is, Green Lantern becomes overpowered because we're used to a Hal Jordan who is the Hal right. Jordan. I was going to say, if you had like an early when Kyle Rayner was learning how to use the ring. Well, when Hal was, if you if you yeah. took it honestly, it, Hal learning how to use the ring and was overconfident, you know. Uh, and made a few mistakes with it, yeah. and and maybe as Troy Benson and I, we once had laid out the film trilogy uh, <laughs> when we had no chance in hell of selling the film trilogy. We still say is that the thing is, and I think this is where the movie made the mistake is you should have done they should have done what the comics originally did way back when is Hal didn't know there was a core. Yeah, he had a ring from an alien. He didn't understand what he was a part of. Right, and that Hal Jordan could guess in and out of the Arrowverse in an interesting way. 
and and it leaves a big reveal for another film mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. later in the series. But every reboot always takes Hal as immediately he understands the core. Yeah, you know, and and they forgot that they played that very slowly. I don't think it was even until issue fourteen of Green Lantern where he was allowed to remember, like he'd encountered other Green Lanterns, and his and the ring would uh, wipe his mind. Hmm. So he kept forgetting what he knew, what he would find out until they finally had worked out what the story of the core was and went, okay, now he can remember. And that, and that is sometimes the problem when you're with a long established property like that, you know, everybody's looking at it from the backside, from the end of it and going, this is what's been most successful, forgetting that it was successful for a year without even knowing any of that, you know, um, and Powerless has confirmed that not only do we have the Crimson Fox making recurring appearances, Powerless being the sitcom in a DC Universe insurance company, uh, but Jack O'Lantern is going to be there. So they're going for the Global Guardians. Basically, so far, it seems like because yeah. Crimson Fox is a Global Guardian. I would love to see Little Mermaid show up. And, you know, somebody might say there's a, you know, there's a mouse with a lawsuit at the door. Um, that would be my joke. Uh, but, the, the, but, the, but there's an interesting way to bring in global guardians and people will think that, that, that they're making fun of superheroes. Right. Even though they're not. And I actually like Jack-O-Lantern, but the point made was like Jack-O-Lantern would not fit. You're not going to put him in the Arrowverse. You're not going to put him in the big screen. So why don't we take those? And, oh, my heavens, it uh, just occurs to me now. Could we not then have the Inferior Five? Because my gosh, an insurance company would have to totally spend a lot of money cleaning up after after the Inferior Five. That would be that would be. Couldn't good. you go into those corners? Wouldn't I'm trying you? to think. Would, do they have do they have powers that are? They don't have powers. The Inferior Five? Yes, they do. Which which one? I mean, okay, Dumb Bunny is the daughter of Princess Power. But what is she? What's her power? She's Wonder Woman level strength. Okay, so it's strength. But I'm, she's dumb. I'm trying to think of visual power. Or visual. Awkward man. Uh, is is all? Uh, he's the uh, he's the son of the mermaid and the Superman analog. Uh-huh. So he uh, again also has all, all that strength, but for some reason he's a klutz and he has to stop and water himself from time to time. The blimp, yeah, the blimp is the one I think he can fly, but uh, but at super slow speeds because right. he's obese. Merry Man is the one that everybody thought had powers. He had to fake it. But he has no powers whatsoever. He's in the jester costume. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's a fifth. Okay, wait. Because it's five. Don't they have a green lantern and green arrow type character? Yes, the white feather. Right, right, right. Who is scared of everything. An expert marksman, but is terrified of every target he aims so at. So what I'm thinking is that to do those characters, you don't have a, a you don't have a terrifically high special effect. No, budget. you don't. You yeah. don't. You're absolutely right. You know, of the characters we've just mentioned, probably the most expensive would be Jack O'Lantern, who is essentially the Golden Age Green Lantern, yeah, but with an Irish accent. Um, so a Green Flame, the kind of thing. So I, yeah, I, it could be interesting. Uh, and then let's just you know, here we'll finish up. Uh, winter, winter is coming. The North remembers. Winter is here. It is. Yeah. It is. No, it's not. Summer the King is in here. the North. Summer is the here. King in the North. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I will still argue that we both were right <laughs> about what this season would be and what the season ender would be is this does set the stage for a hell of a next season. Right. But it was far – It w- 
It was not quite as exciting to me as Battle of the Bastards because Battle of the Bastards got such a visceral reaction oh, out sure, of it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But as far as, oh my gosh, the, the single best season ender of Game of Thrones yes, there has been definitely. was this season. And an interesting replacement of the board. I kept it to myself. I saw people commenting in the last couple of days once I've seen it. Because I had this reaction of, I'm not going to say anything publicly about Game of Thrones for days because I've been so mad at people. Right. About trying to, to nimbly avoid the minefield of spoilers yeah, I, I on Facebook. I only posted one thing, which was just, you know, have you... It was a rebuke to me. I saw yeah. it. And, uh, and huh? yeah, you said, some people say that there's, that nothing happens in the last episode of the season. I was like, yeah, that was me last week, asshole. Oh, was it? No, yeah. you're, you're not the only person who says that, though. <laughs> but this happened at work. Was I made something about, you know, I made a joke about the Brexit saying, like, do you know, you realize that it changes like the ability to film Game of Thrones. I saw a headline about this that it makes it more difficult. Harder to move, harder to move people areas. around. And and this person said, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, forget about all the you know all the other geopolitical problems. Right. This hits me where I live, you know." <laughs> and and this person said, uh, "It's just too full of sex and violence." And, and, and then she laughed. Because, yeah, <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones. And she laughed because my face was like so shocked. And and I realized what was shocked shocking to me was. That I went, yeah, if you watched the early seasons, it was. And Battle right. of the Bastards was very violent. There is no doubt about oh, it. Oh, man. You want to talk bringing hand-to-hand combat. It felt, the- like a, it felt like a like, like five minutes of The Walking Dead extended for 20 minutes. Except know? I would watch that. I wouldn't watch Walking Dead. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it was that I felt the, the claustrophobia of being trapped in a battle. Oh, yeah. And, and – and, you know, thank them. Great for cinematography. But that what I mean it, it was that I realized that everything had kind of they'd pulled back from the sex and violence, and it was I think better plotted and better scripted for the whole season. For the whole season, yeah. and then what you what I've seen some friends comment on, and then I had thought I realized on Sunday night was that this season ends with from a series that has been rightly sometimes pilloried for some of its misogyny mm-hmm. and, and and violence towards women and you realize that the biggest badasses in this show as we end this season and we go into next year it's yeah. the women to fear yes. they are in charge they are in control they're blowing deservedly so and some of them are moral and some are not and Cer- <laughs> Cersei I'm like I was just like oh my god you did all this that's horrible and you lost everything and then there's that look at the end I'm going you don't care. This is what you wanted all she along. She had already lost everything. Yeah, but she was just ironing out the the. This is well. She's going to make the best of of a really horrible situation. Right. And <laughs> the the only thing that I wasn't sure after that was, did she anticipate or provoke Timon's suicide? I don't think she did, and that's what I think is the tragedy. Right. Um. Because I think she saved him on, you know, because the the mountain held him. Right. And so I thought, oh, my God, she's going to kill Timon. Right. And then realized, no, 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 she's saving him. him, He's keeping him from going to the temple. (coughs) But then when there was someone, I thought, i got to watch the scene again. Didn't someone, just before he takes his flying leap... Wasn't somebody in the room with him and told him something, or did he just get it yeah, all from? No, no, somebody told him what had happened, right? And and left him, right? And that was it. Yeah. But the thing you go psychologically. So she's dyed her hair blonde. She's become 
her children. Next season, Cersei, if you thought she was crazy before, yeah, this is wacko. This is, and, and, <coughs> and Lena Headey just gets more and more attracted to me. This crazier she gets, this says, says something uh, about me, I think. But, uh, did she have any lines in that episode? Yes, she did. Yes. When she, with the, uh, with the sister from the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got then you've got Diana Rigg over there with the sand the sand snakes and that and, and you know that's going and it, I loved her putting each one of the little ones in their place. Oh my god! And how they all enjoyed the other one getting put in their place. Right, and right. then oh oh it hurts. Oh yeah. Uh, one of those sand snakes is going to be Colleen Wing on Iron Fist. Oh really? So yeah yeah interesting. So uh, anyway, so there's a there's our our mainstream nerd thing, but but. I, but uh, saying ultimately is what it's interesting how that board has, has has reshifted and obviously i would say oh i don't even need i don't even miss the sex i really don't uh you know because actually i remember what the first time i watched game of thrones going like um why does it keep, keep doing this like it was actually made me uncomfortable so i understood why people criticized it right but it almost and you have to get through it to get to what this is and so satisfying but to say ultimately coincidence or not Away from George R. R. Martin's books, everything has shifted. I don't. I would assume. I would like to think that's where he was going to go with it. I don't think they're making moves without his approval. Yeah. But it is interesting that once you've gotten away from the source material, it has become more and more female empowerment. I am really anxious to read the next book now to see <coughs> what he does with the story beyond what they've done. Yeah. Um, uh, I just. I, I. What a terrific, terrific ending. Yeah. And Lady Mormont. Oh my! Just shaming all those old men, and it's just oh, you know, uh, oh, great. And I was reading a little piece on on that actress, and they said like, on that young actor, I shouldn't make a gender division, um, but that she came in and they said like they were thinking it was going to be because as a kid it was really risky to cast, and and um, she's better prepared and better than any like they take fewer takes with her than they do with any of the long established professional actors yeah <laughs> and so you know yeah uh, well, she's she's right up there with uh Ari with the knife from uh dune you know the uh, yeah and and again and concerned. you gave me and you gave me just all i needed uh, say for the for an episode that just chills me to the bone you know that it warms my heart at the same time give me one good peter dinklage scene and yeah there it was you know it, it's just did you see what they did with the stairs that he's standing on and she's down at the base and so they're like at eye level and then she goes she sits down and he kneels and it's so they stay at like right no it's beautifully directed it's and it's the the symbolism of it and it's just yeah uh yeah it was a it was a, a great ending and uh my only real thing at the end of it was i don't know how this should be two more seasons it should just be one and i and i know they're doing two shorter seasons right because they said they've only got they've got 15 episodes uh yeah i think he went down to 13 they they went went down down to 13 this 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 week um just to them all as one you know i I get why they got to do it that's the nature of the game now but uh, when i realized they were shorter seasons i was like okay i get it but i i now it's sort of like you know i i directed a production of hamlet once and the guy playing Hamlet really wanted to draw out his death scene. And I said, you know, at this point with our audience, when when we really know 
what the ending is going to be. Let's get to it. Let's not draw it out. I know there's financial reasons to it to do it. Not when you're directing Shakespeare, but I mean, right. but 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 at this point, dramatically pacing wise, it's like carry me through anything you're doing now to get out to seven episodes unless you you've got such intense tight plotting is going to start feeling drawn out and we're going to have fatigue because now i just i know what i want to see dragons versus cersei and by the way she breathes fire too (laughs) uh you know it's a cold cold fire from cersei yeah um and then Jamie, you know, I who was kind of missing this episode. You know, he was there. He was there a little bit. He showed up at the end. Well, he also had that great speech to. Uh, oh yes, to. Uh, uh, what's his name? Filch. Uh, <laughs> Potter. It was just again so well written and just going like, wow, we we are going to see the the redemption of Jamie. We're going to see Cersei as the ultimate badass and. An ultimate evil. Could she have been better dressed for that, too? I mean, it's like, um, I want my temple-killing outfit with the silver silver locket. And- well, no, but as I said, she became... It was oh, Joffrey. She-, it, she became Joffrey. And th- th- that's what her outfit is, 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 is... She And you could argue those are the royal robes. But, yeah. but it is, she has mirrored her, old, her son. And and she's be, she's become that because her hair was not blonde before like that it was you know so she's brought it back she's died she's taking the role not that she consciously is fooling anybody or thinks she is but it's like there's psychosis going on that's going to be built right and and there's Jamie off there you realize uh, and I've seen, seen other people point this out the further away from Cersei Jamie gets yeah the more noble he becomes mm. and it's like. And and there is oh man the the scene with him and Brienne at the, the castle when he let her go yeah yeah that was that was like one of the one of the most and when she said we will fight you know we are, we we are enemies and there's no forgetting and it's, it's one of the most intricate love stories unrequited love stories you could want to build I, mean, I I don't you know. People and, say that. I don't know that Brienne actually. Uh, do we have to define it that way? Is Brienne? Do you think Brienne's in love with him? I think she is. I I don't. Maybe. I don't think she knows what it is. And that could be. That could be. And but so she tries to fit it into her own to her own definition. Deal. Well, and people do. And yeah. I and I don't. I, and, but I think he has. It's the kind of thing where it's the kind of thing where a lot of men and women who, when they are in a situation where they're like they're working intensely together. And they, yeah, the they bond, are high. and they they don't know how else to express it other than emotionally, uh, physically that 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 happens. All but I think Jamie's moved past that, and and my thing, the big tragedy for Jamie is he saw his daughter die, and I said yes. that last season, yes, that you could see on his face the fact that she acknowledged that she knew that he mm-hmm. was her father, right, and. That was suddenly a role he had never gotten to play, mm-hmm. and to have it stolen away at the same time. Yeah, this is this is Jamie for whom you may also notice everybody talks about how seductive he is and how everybody falls for him, and he hasn't made a move on anybody this year. No, yeah, and it, and, and it's and I think it's because he is beyond it. And good thing too, because that was uh, nobody. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, a girl has no name. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
that's an interesting side thing too is like how does how does she have that ability to change faces if she's left the temple of the many faced god she must have learned the skill of taking a face is it a skill what it means there's a lot more bodies being left behind or my theory is that the priest not joran that's the that's the guy with grayscale um that 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 assassin is allowing her to access that ability okay because when she walked away and he had that kind of smile on his face like now you're fulfilling your destiny it was it was weird it was it was just kind of so you think he's she's still associated with i think she's still because i think that they have to because the way it's always been portrayed his ability to change has not been the faces are kept there but it's magical right you know so you have access to it but you're you don't have to go and and physically put the face on because He'll take the, you know, in previous episodes, he, he was far away from the temple and he would take his, right. and his face, the face would disappear. Right. So and that's just a repository of every face that they have access to. So I, I think there's still a connection. And so it's like cloud services giving them faces well, yeah, over see, the internet. It's, it's just science. Yeah. It's, it's, it's simple, simple science. There you go. Game of Thrones brought to you by the Amazon cloud. Or the cloud of your, uh, you know. <clears throat> anyway, they so, have an API. Yes. All right, that's it. Uh, <clears throat> when will we meet again? We're not sure, but we shall record again. And when you do, uh, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, anything at all you'd like to bring up, any topics you think, hey, have you talked about this? We should, you know, I, I meant to ask today when we were talking about comics, like maybe that's a topic for a later show. What Marvel post-Secret Wars books should be canceled? Uh, maybe we'll have that conversation next time. Uh, but write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.